out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. It is day 15 of 100 Days of Colin, and today's episode will be with Mr. Philip Drake. We're supposed to be calling in shortly. So this is a long and coming interview that we have tentatively booked for several months, actually. Uh, Philip Drake has had to travel cross country to move and then resume his 2024 presidential candidate campaign as an independent from South Carolina. Now, originally he was living in Edinburgh, Texas, um, where we've had some, some, uh, some call and response from him, but not necessarily in the most official, uh, in the official way. So let's see if we can, um, let's see here. So today is also a debut for the video component. So let's invite a bunch of people here. We're inviting all the people and then I'm going to go ahead and start the video if I can. Let me go here for here. So this is a new thing. We're trying it out. The, uh, the go live, go live. Here we go. And see here, we're trying to do this with, with senior Drake. Looks like that's happening. All right, the mic over here is off. Turn on the mic, so that's working. So I don't know if there's a double, double hit here. So we're gonna go ahead and invite Philip Drake. You're supposed to be here. <laughs> I was talking to him right before the program not too long ago. So let's just invite him here. So while we're doing that, um, I have a few things to run just to refresh, refresh some of the conversation that has been going on. There we go. Send it to him. Okay, there he is. Making a public appearance. We're going to take him next. Yes. Hey, how you doing? Okay, fantastic, Phil. Um, if you don't mind, while we get the video uh, squared away, I'm going to run a couple of clips that kind of prime the audience on what's going on with uh, the border situation. It's just, it's just media we've run on the show before, but it's just to refresh people uh, as to what kind of political issue it is. What isn't being featured, unfortunately, is the, um, the non-speech or the non-speaking toward this uh, from Democratic operatives and, and people in Washington, D.C., who are, you know, not really mentioning much of it at all. So there's nothing there to really run. Um, so I'm, I'm, unfortunately I'm, I'm resorting to, to clip from, from right-wing media and then of course yourself. So, um, I'll go ahead and cue this up and run it. 
So let's let's find that one clip right now. And it was here and now it's gone. So let's just try to find it again. There we go. So it's being queued up at the moment. And so I'll go ahead and turn on my camera so everybody can see me. Hello. Good to see you. First debut as the unsanctioned citizen here. Hair, here we are. So I'll go ahead and turn off the camera for the time being so I can administrate the sound here. The bags of the Rio Grande, you see littered these, these plastic wrist bracelets. Virtually every illegal immigrant who crosses the border is wearing a color-coded plastic wrist bracelet. The color corresponds to how many thousands of dollars they owe the cartel. So you got to pay the cartel anywhere between 3000 and for for Chinese illegal immigrants they're paying as much as 50 or $70,000 to come in illegally and you have to pay the cartel. There is 100% operational control of the border. If you try to cross the border on your own, the cartel will kill you. And what happens when you cross over? The Border Patrol isn't catching these people. They go look for the Border Patrol. They turn themselves in voluntarily. They have a name and address of someone in the United States. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they are the last mile of the human trafficking network. So every city in America, you might think, I don't live in Texas. I'm not in a border state. I promise you, whatever city you're in, whatever state you're in, you are in a border state because Joe Biden is flying illegal immigrants to your state. And the teenage boys, they show up, they owe the Mexican drug cartels thousands of dollars. The way they pay it off is they work for the drug cartels. They're in the employ of these criminal cartels, and the girls have it worse. The girls, horribly, many of them, are trapped in sex slavery. And, you know, Sean, think about it for a second. You're, you, let's say you're a Honduran little girl. You're 15 years old. You're looking north. You're imagining life in America. You're imagining life in freedom. And you end up, your parents agree to pay the cartels, and you, you end up six months later working in a brothel trapped where every day you're in sex slavery trying to pay off your debt. And it's like an old school plantation. They charge the girls for their food, for their room, for their board, for their air conditioning. They charge them $30 to cut off an ankle bracelet. And every day, whatever money they make, they charge them against them, and, and they're just trapped in hell. This is what Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing, and you cannot defend it. It's not humane. It's not compassionate. It is horrific and inhumane and evil. Okay. So uh, we've invited Philip to come up and speak. So Philip, if you'll just invite, accept the invite to come to the speaker column, um, that'll give you the ability to use the camera and then go to your phone camera and then use that camera. I'm going to run this second clip. This is the green clip in Narcofornia, which disappeared again. So I'm going to have to do it again. It's dropping out. Okay. Here we go. Found it. So save that. And it should be running shortly.
So, hey, Philip, can you hear me now? So, flyover man, he says, he just described the life of every working class person. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Philip has muted his mic. I think he's working on his phone trying to get get the uh, configuration going. This is beta. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to invite him back to the speaker column, and then he can use it. Invite to speak. Just hit the accept invite, uh, invite to speak, Phil, and then I think you can use your camera if you do that. There you go. Glad to see you. I'm going to try this soundbite again. See if it'll if it posted. Man, it just does not want to play that bit. Can you unmute your mic? Hey, Phil, can you unmute your mic? Okay, we'll keep trying. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Oh, now. I can hear you now. Okay. It didn't, okay. It didn't, it didn't want to cooperate. Sorry. It's okay. Don't worry about that. Um, how's your How's your video? I don't know. Let's see. I don't know. Let's see. I just there got... you go. I can see you. There I am. There I am. All right. So we're going to run this clip uh, of the Narcofornia. If I can just get it to save. It's additional media that I think is relevant to what's going on here. Um, I'll just ask you what you thought about that cruise bit. Did you hear it about the bracelets and the, you know, human trafficking? They've been running a lot of media on that. That's not the whole of the story. Um, but I want to just give you a chance to, to say something while that was fresh. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it many times before. I really wasn't, I really wasn't this listening time, this time because I was trying to figure out how to use this thing. But um, as far as, as, far as the cartel, cartel uh, charging, these people, charging these people coming across, I mean, that's true. Um, the, president the president before we had this one, it was the same amount of people that was coming across as what's coming across now. The only difference is, is then they had to run, get caught. And then, after they, and then caught, after they were called, released, they were just released, um, given a ticket, given a ticket and money to go anywhere it is they want. Now they just walk up to the Border Patrol and say, here I am. They get called, get released, get the ticket anywhere it is that they want. So there's really the only difference between what was going on a couple of years ago versus what's going on now is media coverage. It's still the same. It's still the same amount of people coming across. You live on the border. You still have to deal with the same crap. There's no difference. Okay. Well, let me go ahead and run this Narcofornia uh, clip because I, I think it will give the, the listeners some insight into what's going on right now. Uh, it's not that we didn't have uh, some marijuana grows, but they were very few and far between. As the enforcement started to dwindle, they rapidly increased. They just came in in hordes. I knew people that lived there. And... They just overwhelmed them. They had to sell out, you know, to them. And that was kind of their tactics. I don't care what you're growing or what 
ethnicity you are as a agriculturist. Just abide by the same rules I got. It's humans doing horrible things. I don't care what color you are. It is humans doing horrible things. Disrespect for the land, their illegal chemicals, garbage, no septic out there. They don't have to pull a legal permit. They don't have to play by the same rules that I have to play with. And we're just a quarter of a mile away. When you're in a county that the population is 44,000 people, well, if you get 10,000 illegal growers coming into your area, pretty easy to overwhelm things. So we're currently inside a cartel worker camp. What's fascinating is that this land is owned by a retired school teacher who had no idea organized crime groups were on her property growing marijuana illegally. And they've been pumping water. Because in August, when law enforcement came up, they had built above-ground pools, they had established several campsites. The garbage was so deep that they, they'd been here a while. What, what makes this camp really great for the police growers is it gives you a nice aerial view of any vehicle traffic or any law enforcement if they came in for a raid. Now, the majority of these cartel growers are actually migrants that are forced into labor trafficking and are paying off their debts to these cartel growers. But here you can see the mattress where the growers used to sleep in their blankets. And all the, all the supplies are still here. But all this trash actually gets stuck with the owner, and they have to pay off the environmental fee and all the trash to get moved out of here. And the cartel girls get to make all the profits and then move on to the next location to squat and set up another grow operation for the next grow season. Some of these go on for 10 years before they're detected. Some of them are never detected. Some of them we get lucky and find the first year they're out there. They have no respect for wildlife. They have no respect for uh, humanity in many ways. They bring in toxic pesticides that aren't even illegal to possess in this country that are deadly if ingested or touched, and they will shoot you. Okay. So we are back. I'm going to go ahead and go to camera. Hello, everybody. So this is the official part of the interview where we're, we're heads in a box with a presidential candidate. Hi, Philip. Um, so you heard this and you lived about a mile down from a Colonius. Can you tell us what that was and what it was like for you? Is your mic open? You're talking, but I can't hear your mic. Let's just see if your mic, your mic is muted. How about that? Can you hear me now? Much better. Much better. Now we can resume our talk. So, so the Colonius are what's the what's the nice way of putting it um so so you have these neighborhoods that are very small lots and within these very small lots there's not really any restrictions or anything on on how to you know how or what you can or can't build so um they're on the border towns in, in texas they have these colonias, and, and what they do is you have these people that go in and buy up the land, and they lot it off into small lots, and they ask no questions. They don't ask for a social security number. They ask for nothing. They ask for like $2,500 to $5,000 down. Um, they take, a, let's say, a half-acre lot that's worth a couple thousand dollars. They'll sell it for $79,000. Um, finance no questions asked and basically what they do is they finance it to illegal immigrants and and they're buying up our land 
and they do as they as they see fit. They do whatever it is they want. Um, man, I've seen everything from. I mean, literal shacks, literal shacks, with their sewage pump just it just runs right out into the backyard. Like it's it, it, there's no there's supposed to be regulations on it, but they don't regulate anything down there. The cartel owns everything in the Rio Grande Valley, so that there's no regulations. There's Please no stop nothing. Here, in, because in that's, that's a claim that can be challenged. Unfortunately, people are not going to necessarily know what you mean or be able to relate to that from a fact basis what makes you say that the cartels quote-unquote own everything in the Rio Grande Valley because they do I mean everything's controlled when I say this owned is controlled whenever the cartel controls something they the cartel has interest in everything the cartel has their hands in everything so they may not it may not be in the name of the cartel or a cartel member but if you're going to be extremely successful down there for the most part, not everyone, but for the most part, you're going to have to pay your dues one way or the other within the cartel. And if the car, and, and if you do not, what they'll do is they'll come at you through the judicial system, through the law enforcement system, or through the local political system. And it doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. They're, down there, they're exactly the same. So, so they're going to come after you, and they're going to attack you in one way or the other. Um, they don't like being questioned. They don't. They don't like for people to come in and try to change their way of life and their way of living. Um, we have the, the we have legal immigrants there, of course, but the illegal immigrants, whenever they come in, they, they like having them there because they're easier to control because they don't want any problems. And even though to it seems horrible to us as Americans that that type of thing is going on down there, to them, it's better than where they came from. So they accept it. But here in the United States, it's not acceptable. But we've been allowing it to go on down there for 70, 80 mm. years. And, and people just want to keep looking the other way. Look, at the end of the day, you can't find any better place in the Rio Grande Valley, really, for agricultural purposes. I mean, you can grow crops all year round. You know, we have access to water. We have, it's wonderful. And the fact that, that 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 particular area could just about feed this entire country if we got in a real bad crunch like we're getting into now. And the fact that we don't have control over it as American citizens is just absolutely horrible. Well, let me let me ask you about the control of Edinburgh, because that's where you were and that's where you had your family yeah. farm. Uh this is based purely on your story and your experience. What was it that you experienced that caused you to arrive at these conclusions about? Well, well, I mean, you know, there is a frame of reference. We just need to hear a little bit more about that. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I know I've told you the story, but, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more than what I've told you. So you'll be the first to hear it. Um, so we have to go back. Well, number one, I've been I've been arrested three times for cattle theft in Edinburgh, Texas. So, but let's go back in Rio Grande City, Texas. Uh, I think it was 2017. I was looking at buying a cattle auction barn, right? So I was taking, I, I was doing the paperwork, you know, just kind of 
being in the office, making sure that everything was was legit before I bought the place and so on and so forth. Well, I stumbled across an actual scam that was being run there at, at RY Livestock uh, by the previous owners, not by the owners they have now. But um, they were stealing cattle and money from people, and they were being protected. Um, for legal reasons right now, I can't say who was protecting them, but I think you guys can put two and two together by the time we get to the story. Not necessarily. I mean, are they a legal entity? Are they not legal entity? Are they an NGO? Are they a they are to enforce the law. How about that? Their job is to enforce the okay, law. Okay, so it is the police. Well, it's a form of the police, a form of them. But, but so. Um, well, are they the police? Or not? So, are they not the police? I think that's going to be difficult for the viewers to understand. Yeah, well, it's difficult in Texas. In Texas, you got Texas Rangers, Special Rangers, Constables, uh, County Police, State Police, DPS. DPS. <laughs> so there's so many. That's why I just said a form of police. So one veteran. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mention the agency. Not. Not yet. Just. Just let. I'm getting there. Okay. I promise you, you'll catch we'll, we'll on. I just will not mention. We're getting. There. So. So. Um, um, so I, I believe it was 2017. I don't remember the month, but in 2017, I was looking at buying the property. And right before we, I got ready to buy, I started noticing that the books wasn't adding up. There were two sets of books, which is extremely illegal. And I really started digging in, and I started finding out that they were stealing cattle and stealing money from the older ranchers there in South Texas. So I did turn them into Packers and Stockers. So what you're saying is kind of like there's a indirect claim of whistleblowing where they turn the offense upon you that they were guilty of themselves is that correct absolutely okay absolutely, absolutely. That, so that seems huh can you hear me now hear. okay so that now. seems to be a problem in the united states with general policies among um governing authorities especially from the yeah. federal level okay if this is a federally controlled or somehow sanctioned operation, somehow you could conceive of. Now, I don't have like concrete here, but I, I just know that there's other policies that they're they're behaving in this way with internationally. One yeah. of which is the Julian Assange case, where he has been held in this arbitrary detention frame for nearly 12 years with no conviction and no uh, formal charges by the national security state. Well, he's a, he's a political prisoner. He is in fact a, a political prisoner. I will just go ahead and mirror that as a fact. I will also say that there has been um, numerous verified claims that there, the DEA and CIA and other three letters happen to be profiting from the U.S. Mexican drug trade that they are yeah. involved, and so there is corruption there, and it has been verified. You know, people have written books about it. One journalist was uh, drawn into a a large tunnel. At the end, he was he was killed by someone, and there was a film about it where in which Jeremy Renner uh, don't kill. The, I think. Don't kill the messenger. Killing the messenger was was the name of the film. So uh, you know there is a policy of subordination of law 
or subrogation, I think that is the better term. Uh, and one of the ways that they have been able to turn this onto the American population has been to make whistleblowers the object of 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 scorn, meaning to turn to turn the view away from their misdeeds, Philip, and to turn it upon the person who was doing the whistleblowing in a way, in a manner of speaking. So uh, in in this sense, you were kind of having a whistleblower like experience. Can you can you describe for us like maybe in a in a short short frame of time what from the yeah. time you made the report to the time they, they beat you up in your your own house. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So so it was let me let me say this. It was kind of funny that I, I you call it a whistleblower. It it was very funny because of what I've done help the people get their money back that had been stolen from, right? So somehow or another, because of the Southwestern Texas Cattle Raisers Association and they're uh, special rangers that can't legally arrest people, but seem to do. Um, they managed to turn the people against me, the same people that I helped out and get their money back. <laughs> they managed to turn them on me and say that I was a cattle thief and a son of a bitch. So that, that was kind of funny that they were able to do that, but, but that's neither here nor there. So, so yeah, so it, it started from there. Fast forward, you know, I, I just kept going and going and going. I hate corruption. I absolutely hate corruption. Um, I had a career. There's another thing that you didn't know that we can get into as well. Uh, for nine years of my life, I had a career working for the federal government as an independent contractor. And I worked counter-corruption, which means I went after corrupt officials. So whenever it comes to corruption, I am an absolute expert. So, um, you know, and... And and some of that was found out during that time period, and now I just had a bunch of people. They just decided to come at me, and they were gonna they were gonna make an example out of me, or supposedly gonna make an example out of me, and it's turned around and it's bit them in the butt over and over and over. I was illegally arrested three times um, by a member of the Southwestern Texas Cattle Raisers Association. Okay, that is an NGO. They are not an official law enforcement. Yeah, we know, but that's who arrested me. That's who done all this. Okay, so every bit of this. So the state sanctioned their ability to come detain you under what premise? Well, they said that I was stealing cattle, but it turned out I owned most of the cattle. Um, the most first time the I owned the cattle. Which cattle are they? Just, uh, just the ones that were stolen, or or? No, I, see, I had a feedlot, so most of the cattle I owned, but I also fed cattle for people, so. You know, whenever whenever you have a feedlot, you have people that bring cattle in. They pay you to feed them. It's like daycare for cattle. So yeah, well, yeah, it's something like that. You get you make fat cattle. You get them ready for slaughter. Okay, I wouldn't call it daycare, but that, we can call it that. So, but most of the cattle I owned, and um, a lot of the cattle that they said that I was selling, and and so on and so forth. All the cattle that they said I was selling. Um, I'd actually owned at the time. Well, I had a stroke, you know, and I went down. I was down for about three months, 
and I could not get out and, and, you know, check on things. And out of all the cattle, everything that they said, we had 34 cows go missing. 34. Okay. I didn't steal them. I was bedridden. We had 34 cow go missing. Someone else had stole them. And that was the only cattle theft that went on during all So there this. was wrestling but, but, and, and the cattle disappeared. Okay. He says there's a bad echo. Thanks for reporting that. Who's who's echoing more, him or me? Let's try. I can't hear you at all. All right. How about now? Oh, that's better. Okay. Oh, that's So better. I had two mics going. I figured the echoing might be coming from me. I'm, I'm wired up to a blue mic, and I also have the phone mic open. Um, you know, feel free to invite more listeners. I mean, this is a great interview. I'm, I'm learning a lot. So let me get to some of the follow-up questions about, uh, you know, 34 cattle dis- were you reported, who reported you, and by whom was the complaint issued? Okay. So, this was all while I was bedridden. Okay, so the cattle ranger himself, um, they managed to get the paperwork and stuff out of, the, out of, out of my office, um, which there never was any warrant. There never was anything for them to go into my office and take anything either. It was just done. So they were able to track down and find out um, who owned some of the cattle. And it just so happens that one gentleman owned, uh, he had 380 cattle on my feedlot, and we had shipped everything to him. In the process of shipping everything to him, 34 got went missing. And uh, the cattle ranger reached out to him and said, well, I can't prove it, but I know he stole them. I know he stole them. I know he stole them. And... I have nothing bad to say about the gentleman that, that pressed the charges against me. Um, I like the guy. He was just misled. Um, but it was all it was all by just being pushed by the cattle ranger. I mean, ever since 2017, whenever I reported his father's best friend for stealing cattle and stealing money from his auction barn, we have had this war that has just been never ending, never ending. It's just been on and on and on and on and on. So, I mean, here we are. And, and then I get into politics and it really got the pot stirred because in the time that I've lived there, okay. I've got to know it. I, ha- I have to ask you a question because this is getting into that hyper local contention where, you know, it might be pulling away from the, you know, kind of cartel interests or how that kind of like overlaps or seems well, I was actually getting there. Okay. Let's, let's get there now. <laughs> That's what I was doing. Okay. So, so, so I actually, then I got into politics and whenever I got into politics, that's whenever I really started seeing how things worked, you know, um, the, the, the type of people that would come up, the parties that you would go to the luncheons, whatever you want to call it, that you would go to, you would start meeting the people that were really involved, that were calling the shots, and and so on and so forth. And that's when I realized that you know, the the stories I've always heard are true. That this this is cartel associated. I mean, the, these people. Are, Which these cartel? People are cartel. Huh? Gulf. Which cartel? Gulf. Over there, it's the Gulf. 
the Gulf Cartel. The Gulf Cartel over there. If you go west a little way, well, I say a little ways, a few hundred miles, you're going to get into the Sinaloan cartels. But this is the Gulf cartels here, or not, or in South Texas. So the RGV in Edinburgh specifically, in your farm area, now that this Colonius, he said that there were squatting cartels there. Is that also Gulf? Um, yeah, that's Gulf. I mean, the Gulf, that's the Gulf's territory. Um. <laughs> that's their marked territory. So that's going to be Gulf cartel there. Uh, well, tell, so I, I have mentioned the colonias here, but just to give you, give the audience a pre preface is that as Philip has described for me about a mile down from his house, one of the reasons why he's having these contentions is because the local landowners have paid some sort of fealty in some straight one or the other to be left alone by the cartels to go about their business or um, or to do whatever. And I guess, you know, Philip didn't want to pay into that system and his, neither did his wife who's had land on that, on that territory for how long, Philip, how long has your wife had, had that territory? 20 years, I guess, maybe 15 okay. years. Okay. So it's, it's family land and, um, she didn't want to pay in. You didn't want to pay in. You made an agreement or you're not going along with it. And then there's this colonies right down the, the way. And for the for the benefit of the viewers, just to quickly read them in quickly, um, the Colonias evolved as a way for uh, transient Mexican growers for the area to come in, buy a spot to live during the season, work, have land there to live and to, to reside, and then to leave, and then they would have it like a campground. Um, and then returned to Mexico. And the law was built around that so that they, and you could pay in cash at that time. This is at the beginning of the 1900s where people had cash to buy land. Um, but that system, the law is being abused or kind of capitalized upon. Uh, it treated as a loophole. So these cartels move in, never leave reside there as Mexican nationals. Uh, they, you know, perform their larcenous activity. They sell drugs. They erect these uh, shantytown uh, encampments around where they bring in people who, coyote debtors or people that they, they want to work on, you know, whatever it is that they, whether it's farming, whether it's their side businesses, whether it's drugs, whether it's this, whether it's that. And then uh, when they're done with them, they kick them out and sell it to another roster of, of uh, Colonia's shantytown owners. Did I get any of that wrong, Philip? No, you're right. But one, okay. of the things, one of the things that I would like to say is whenever you go to some of these Colonias, it's like shack, 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 big mansion, shack, 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 big mansion, like, you know, um, once they get describe what they, the haciendas that they live in. Oh, dude, I mean, they're unreal. They're 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 unreal. I, there's no description for them. They're huge, and and they'll be surrounded by shacks. And we always had a saying when we'd go by and we'd see them start building their new hacienda. I'm like, well, they got a load across. That's what we would always say. Well, they must have got a load across. So, um, but but with that being said, now I do want to say this. Some of the worst people that I've ever met in my life has been in the RGV 
But hands down, some of the best hard-working, honest people that I've ever met in my life has also been in the RGV. And the reason why I have been fighting so hard against the corruption down there, against the corrupt, corrupt judicial system, law enforcement system, against all of it, it's for those good people because it is very hard to find any better people that are better than the good people in the RGV. It's just they're getting outnumbered. Yeah, it's it's striking. Um, you know, as I've mentioned many times, I have family in that area, and I'm very worried uh, over the, the there has been an increase in traffic and the crime and the deaths that people witness. Uh, I think it's extremely traumatic for people to come out and find dead bodies on their property. You know, it's it's traumatic for people to wake up and find complete strangers kind of sleeping in their yard. Sometimes they just, it's so transient. And then of course, um, you know, to have their children approached by cartel members to enroll them into prostitution, into drug running, uh, you know, because they're of age that that's extremely uh, traumatic in and of itself. How do you protect your children from gangs? You know, it's a farming community. They didn't expect to, to have to. That's a big city problem that they are used to running in, into, like, say, in Chico, California, or, you know, deep places in Houston or, or inner cities, you know, trying to evade gangs and gang activity. And here they are. They, they're, in the, they're in the sticks, essentially, and their children are being recruited to work for the cartels. You know, they, they take the family car. You know, th this this transaction that they are being recruited for happens, you know, without their knowledge or consent. They go run over to the border using the family car, take whatever back over the border. If they're not caught, then these children end up with, you know, five to six grand per transaction. And you're like, where did you get this money? You are in the 10th grade. Where did you get this money? So... Of course, you know, you know that they're being approached and those are still children. They're not being protected. The law is is not, you know, so holistic down there that they can protect these children from being approached by uh, by cartel um, agency. So uh, so I met I actually met. This is a scary kind of a, an alarming story, but when I was at a Trump event here in Austin, I stood right behind two um, two kids from Edinburgh. Okay, they were wearing sunglasses inside in the middle of the day. They had braces. They were dressed in all black, and um, they said that they were Mexican nationals who lived in. Where'd you go? But where'd you go, Drake? <laughs> uh, unmute your mic. Unmute your mic. So they—they they they I'm said, sorry, I had to pick it up. Okay. Okay. Uh, but uh, they're dressed in all black, and they wore their sunshine, the sunshades indoors, uh, braces. You know, and. You know, they said that they were Mexican nationals that had been there since they were three. <laughs> so I think they were from one of the haciendas. 
It might have been. Did they have a bracelet on with a family name on it? I didn't see or, that. Or a necklace. And on the necklace, did I have the La Muerte on it? No, I didn't I didn't see anything. You see, you see the bracelet with the family name? They're either going to have them a Hacienda one day. If you see the ring with La Muerte or the uh, the necklace with La You know what La Muerte is? The death. Oh, yeah. It's, the it's Grim a, Reaper. The Grim yeah, Reaper. The, the Grim Reaper, Reaper yeah. icon. That's who, they, that's, that's who they worship. So so if you see that on there, they either have the Hacienda or they're working to get the Hacienda. It's one. And the, those are the people who work in the Gulf Cartel. Um, yeah, they, they work in the Gulf. But now the Gulf Cartel is more gangbanger, gangster style to where the Sinaloan Cartel is more mafioso. So the Sinaloans, they're, they're larger. If I'm not mistaken, they're the first cartel in Mexico. I could be wrong. But they're, they're more West, and they're, they're much more organized um, than the Gulf Cartel. The Gulf Cartel is just, there's not, there's not like one big boss, really. There, there's just a bunch of small bosses, and they all kind of run together, and they kind of fight each other, and send dope and illegals and and you know and 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 how they own everything down there or how they run everything down there is they just pay people off you know and if somebody comes along and says look we don't like this guy we don't like what he's about we don't want him here they hate outsiders they despise outsiders so so if they're that way they're but they're squatters they're squatters how do they hate outsiders? It's like a Look, parasite I, you're not supposed to be okay, here. Okay, okay. You said you had family in the Rio Grande Valley, right? Yeah. We call Rio Grande Valley North Mexico. And I miss the Rio Grande Valley. I love the Rio Grande Valley. I really do. I just don't like the politics and the, and the, and the, the judicial system and how people are being treated there. Um, but... We call it North Mexico because everything goes to the highest bidder. Me, I could have had these troubles go away like that. But at the end of the day, they stole my entirely livelihood, all my money. They, they left us broke. I mean, we lost everything. And I don't, I don't need a poor me. I'm just telling you the truth. So there was nothing to pay them off if I was the type of person to do that. But I'm not the type of person that happen? You said that this you're sitting in a farm area in South Carolina right now. Yeah. That's where you are. Is that correct? Yeah. It's still that's still correct. Okay. Yes. So so the reason why you're there is because essentially you were pu- pushed off of your land. I was pushed off my land. I was run out of the town and and I can't really say due to lawsuits and stuff exactly who done it. And I, I hope you understand that, Sheila, because I know I've told you. But, but um, I actually had people come and threaten my children's life. So we up and moved. So were they cartel? Uh, I mean, I, they were affiliated with the cartel. Okay, so, so, but but they were also had a, an official capacity, and that's one of the reasons why you can't say. Yeah. Okay. So, and I do remember that you said had said that, yeah. and this before you had some sort of legal uh, 
limits. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm suing the state of Texas and Largo County, the Southwestern Texas Cattle Raisers Association, and anybody else that comes decides to cross me with these allegations. I mean, look, I, I was arrested by an association, uh, which you can't be arrested by. There wasn't a legal warrant. Not only was they not a legal warrant, but whenever they whenever they did arrest me, they falsified the documentation and said that I was arrested by Parks and Wildlife, which is the game wardens, but the game wardens know nothing about it. And whenever you read all the newspaper articles, it doesn't say that I was arrested by game wardens. It says that I was arrested by the South Texas Southwestern Texas Cattle Raisers Association. So none of it makes sense. But it's South Texas. It doesn't have to make sense. All that matters is who you know, who you're affiliated with, and how much money you've got. That's all that matters. Okay. So. <laughs> so. So they. Who's on your land right now? Family. Okay. They're holding, they're holding down the fort. We only have when when all this started. I was form, farming forty one thousand acres. That's what I was mm-hmm. farming. We're down to five acres in our house, and um, we're fighting to keep it. We're fighting really hard to keep it. Okay, so did you sell off that acreage, or is it just being occupied by... No, uh, okay. I don't know if you know this or not, but you can you can buy lease rights or land rights in the state of Texas, so you don't actually own the land. You just own the rights to, to use the land. Well, whenever you farm, it's cheaper to, to, to lease land or, or get ground rights to harvest off the land than it is to actually own the land. Okay. But but you have complete rights to the land, right? So um, um, that's what I had on the majority of the land. Um, and I mean, I lost it. I mean, I don't know any other way to put it. I lost it. I, I couldn't hold on when when all the equipment disappeared. When um, cattle started disappearing, then you then I I had a stroke. So I try to hold on to my business. I'm trying to keep everything's going. Then you're getting bombarded by the media, which really nobody listens to. But down there, it's very hard to hang on. It's very, very hard. Sometimes you just have to cut your losses and ask the good Lord above, so what do you want me to do? You know, and, and that that's where I was at. And I'm not the only person that's ever happened to. It's happened to quite a few other people. Okay, so this is kind of uh, what goes on, and then who prevails in the stead of like if they're if you're losing this land, if there's attrition of your land use for farming, what goes there instead? A rival Lonely. farmer, or or is it like what what goes on? Well, it, a lot of times they'll, they'll either they'll either somebody will take it, um, they'll get it in their name. And it'll either go into ranchitos, small ranches, or colonias. It'll go into one of the two. And, and you can finance a ranchito, no questions asked. You can finance a property on a colonia, no questions asked. I mean, it, so that that's what the land ultimately goes to. Or it just sits there. I mean, a lot of times it just sits there. Um, the, the, the bad thing really... I guess about the whole thing that really bothers me more, it's not what I lost. I had employees that worked very hard for what they had, and through my business, they were able to get their own houses, they were able to 
provide for their family. They were able to do this and do that. So it wasn't just me that got robbed. It was them too, you know? And, and that's what people don't realize. Whenever stuff like this happens, it's not just the one person that pays for it. There's other people that end up paying for it too. You know, and, and that's just not right. And that's why that's why I'm now getting involved in politics. And since I've got involved in politics, I see that it's not just South Texas where this goes on. It's going on all over the nation. And, and it's time for the people to say, you know what, we're done. Let's stand up and get somebody to lead them in the right direction and say, hey, we're taking our country back. We're going to do this. We're, we're not going to deal with this corrupt shit anymore. And that's so what it's come down. You had an anti-corruption background, which is interesting. You know, not, not many people actually have an anti-corruption background that they can speak of. Yeah, that would be like, um, you know, it's just it's just not a uh, it's just not a, the the current roster of our elected officials don't have a replete resume of of anti-corruption in their in their <laughs> offerings, their professional offerings. Um, but is it is interesting to me um, when you when you experience DHS in that area, when you uh -huh. experience the homeland security approach to the border, one hundred miles in uh, to their approach to say like civil liberties, you know, what is your experience? Is it arbitrary? Is it subjective? It, like it's 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 all. Listen, I I was an independent. Your mic just cut out. For multiple agencies. Um, and I did a lot of consulting work over nine years and two, two presidents. Which two presidents? Obama and Trump. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I, I actually quit. You know, the day I quit, I'm going to be honest with you. I quit. <laughs> the election day of 2020. I quit. That was my last day. So <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't working it. I wasn't doing it anymore. But anyway, um, um, so um, I'm trying to think of a nice way to put it. The majority of everything that these federal agents feed you is bureaucracy, red tape, and bullshit. Okay. And that's what most of us deal with. But what, how are you prepared uniquely to deal with some of the fine? Well, well, I know the ins and outs and, and I know the ins and outs of a lot of those agencies. I know the really, really, really good people within those agencies. Um, and you mean like ICE and, and CBP? FBI, DOJ, uh, USDA, OIGs, uh, DOD. So okay. I know what. I know a lot of good ones. Now, I, I'm I'm a constitutionalist. Technically, they are not supposed to exist anyway. Um, did you roll your eyes? I can't see. No, no. I just I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to reach for it because the federal bureaucracy is vast, and yeah, I know. wanted to pare it down. Um, you know, you it's. A lot of people will reference the, the the part of the elephant that they know the best. And they're like, well, this should be here. They know what should and shouldn't be there prospectively based on 
you know. Why well, do form, it based off the Constitution and how the, much power? The, the forms the of their policy, you know, their partisan uh, platform, like in in libertarian circles, which is what I typically run in, there should be far less government uh, than there is more government. Um, yeah. And in some cases, that would be, you know, you, you could pare back the ineffective and or corrupt elements of the agency and get rid of them. You could reorganize the agencies to uh, become more efficient and just drop off projects and agencies that are non um non-mission focused like yeah. one of the biggest complaints about say like the national security apparatus which you are dealing with because of the mexican drug cartels and this mystery this ongoing tolerance of this mystery of the dea and cia and other three-letter agencies who are rick rolled in i tell you what let's 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 want Let's have a, um, an interview about that, specifically about that, and I will go into great detail with you. Well, uh, I mean, just give me a brief <laughs> statement as to, to what your, your national security approach might be. Okay. Oh, well, l- let me explain something to you. So you. You have these different federal agencies, right? Um, name name let, a few. Name let, a few. Let, that- well, I'm just going to use a comparison. Okay. So you have different federal agencies. Let's say the FBI and I don't know, pick one. It really doesn't matter. DEA. Uh, DEA. Well, that's a good one because the FBI and DEA do not like each other. So okay. so you take the FBI and you got the DEA. So the FBI, they are working the uh, money laundering aspect of it, right? So <clears throat> the DEA, they're working the, the, the drug aspect aspect of it so they're sitting there trying to work together but they can never seem to get anything done because they're too busy arguing over who's going to get the credit at the end of this thing well, well since no one like, since, and at the at the policy level where the congressional and the no, political are, are coming in I'm, uh, getting there. I'm getting there well, I, i'm just interjecting because i want to to put this in there because they are always under pressures to perform towards those uh those political aims from the executive party that's in power which you are aiming for as president yeah and that that, that gets to the point uh, let me let me get it out let me just get it out um I, what i wanted to ask you was if they have, say, a counterterrorism approach. Now, counterterrorism they have used for funding, primarily funding and for uh, rapid overreach in many of these cases. And it's usually used to appropriate to, to get Americans more yeah. than it is extra nationals. Now, I don't know how many Mexican cartel members they have reached on the terms of, of counterterrorism. They don't. But they they don't. Have all the legal reach that they actually need to get any cartel members that are squatting in South Texas, but they don't. What would you do as president? Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, number one, we have to hold who's accountable. Who who's actually accountable for it? And and who is accountable for it? One, the American government. Two, the Mexican government. Three, the cartel. So those three have to be held accountable. They have to be held accountable. And yes, our own government 
we overlook. I mean, there's so much stuff that, that I can only speculate about, and I really don't go into great detail because I'm not elected yet, but when I do get elected and I do find out what's going on, I'll let every one of you know it. You know, because we do need to know what's going on. Somewhere, somebody's making some deals. It has to be that way because there's absolutely no reason whatsoever for the things that we've got going on to continue going on. There has to be some deals made. They're, they're, they're looking the other way, and they shouldn't be looking the other way because it's slapping them in the face, and it's dead obvious. And I still believe that it revolves around party politics and, and one party getting the credit versus the other party not getting the credit. They're too busy trying to make each other look bad so one side can get elected instead of the other. And we're all just sitting here with our thumbs up our butt, and we're like, hey, look, what about us? What about us? And nothing ever gets done. So uh, as far as a, a definite answer, if I tell you exactly it's speculation, well, all let's, I can tell Because Ted Cruz's brand of speculation hasn't been very yieldful either, so I'm I'm just trying me. What? what? I, yeah, but I just don't do it. I make it a point not to speculate on anything, not to give my opinion on anything. Well, I mean, I can tell you, if I were president, what I would do. Well, I, I can tell, oh, you want to know what I would do. I'll tell you what I would do. You want to know what I would do if I was okay. president. I'll tell you what I'll do if I was president. Okay, the first thing that I'm going to do, the first thing I'm going to do is sign an executive order which abolishes all unconstitutional laws and gives the people the freedom back. Then you rally the people together. And I'm not talking about no January the 6th type crap rally. You rally the people together. You ask their opinion. You say, okay, look, people, we have these federal agencies. We have this overreach of the federal government. They're not telling us exactly what's going on. They're not doing their job. They're not doing this. Who do we cut? Who do we get rid of? What exactly what do you want the states to do for you? Exactly what do you want me as the president of the United States to do for you? You tell me, I'll get it done. That's what I'll do. And, and there's nothing okay. else that we can do until all well, there, there is. There's much. There is much. And, and, and um, well-schooled advisors, you know, people in, in five, $6,000 suits from K Street are going to come drop big chunks of legislation that all their agendas that they have planned right smack in the middle of your executive desk. If this happens in this golden scenario, the reality is, is that those K Street fellows are going to come in there. And they're going to do some hybrid dance of threatening you and incentivizing you. And then they're going to put this agenda in front of you. That's this thick. Okay. Okay. And then they're going to tell you to go to the vice president and Hey, walk this to the desk. Okay, and do your job, Mr. President. Okay, and it won't be it won't be the people. That's how it's been going for a really long time. But it's not supposed to be people, that way. We need none of those people care about South Texas. Sheila, Sheila, listen to me. It can't be that way anymore. We need a president that'll roll that 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 deal up and tell them where to shove it. That's what we need. We need to shove this up your ass and be done with it. Right. We gotta have hey, that. They don't respond to shove it up yours. But okay? you know they what I mean. To, you know what I mean. You, you can't give in to them. Listen, I've been arrested three times. I've been shot once. I've been tied to a tree. I've had my family threatened. I've had everything taken away from me, and I'm still not stopping. Here I am. There's nothing that they can do to me that will make me stop to doing the right thing for the American people and for, the, for our country. There's, there's nothing. They can try as much as they want. But by the time we get to that point and by the time the people have spoken and I have got elected, they're going to have it through their thick skulls that the people are tired. We better stop playing the games that we've been playing or we're going to lose what little bit of power we do have. And they don't want that. And those people are not dumb. 
they, they're going to want to hold on a little bit. So they're going to start giving in when the people do get tired and they do stand up and they do speak out. And what greater, what greater way to speak out for the American people than to elect a presidential candidate that is part of neither parties? That is the greatest stand that the American people could do. Even if it's not me, even if it's somebody else. And the American people say, well, I, I'm tired of this. I don't want any more of this political bullcrap. I don't want to be divided by parties anymore. I don't want any of that. We want somebody based on who that person is and based on what they'll do for us. That, that will be the greatest stance that, that could happen. And it's the only thing that's going to change things. The only thing. Nothing's going to change with parties. Ever. Okay, let me, let me get to something something tactile that I think that maybe maybe you can relate to. Greg Abbott is an executive over Texas. Okay, and I know you've been cr- critical of Greg Abbott in the past and of his performance. Um, what would you do differently as governor in that executive potential? Because he's he's building. He's working with landowners to build the fence, which is what a lot of people want. It's not what I want, but it's what a lot of people are allowing for. He is he is extracting people from the areas and then moving them away from South Texas, which has, you know, been a problem. Okay, the, the, the foot traffic and the transients is a huge problem for, for South Texas. Um, the death, the, you know, and then of course, working with Mexico, the governors of Mexico in his capacity is what he has done. He has also used the national guard appropriated to Texas to add some national defense to the border. Okay. What would you do differently in terms of defending the just the territorial aim of that stretch of land that he is not doing doing it better what what do you offer well first of all i wouldn't be rounding the people up putting them on a plane or a bus and sending them further into the united states of america what would you do instead well i would i would use the state constitution and i would use the state constitution in my favor to override the federal government the way that it's supposed to be and i would deport the damn people okay what I would That's do. Not I, mean, idea. I, I think it's fantastic that you said that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it, it literally can be done. It legally can be done. He can do that. He just chooses not to do it. Um, as far as the wall, fence, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't work. I live down there. It's a great symbol. It really is. It's a great symbol. When you see it, well, hell, they don't want us. But that really doesn't do any good. Now, as far as the National Guard goes, I actually had some property there at the river, and the National Guard was right on the corner. It wasn't on my property. It was on the neighbors, but they were right there. Now, they were there. They weren't allowed to do anything. They, they, they were, like, giving motivational support to the, to the Border Patrol. I mean, there was very little that they could do. Their hands were tied. Well, I would untie their hands. And I would make very, the, the people, not, it's not really the people coming across. It's the cartel and the government over there that, that's allowing it to happen. They would know good and damn well if you come here, there's going to be more trouble than what it's going to be worth. And as far as a state standpoint, um, um, they would have to go around the state of Texas. They would have to go to the next state over or they wouldn't be able to get in. 
And I wouldn't wait too long. I mean, you come in, you're going out. You come in again, you're going out. You come in again, well, you're going to sit in jail for a while, and then you're going back out. It, it just has to be that way. And he should have done that, but he didn't. And and no politician is. No party politician is. Because at the end of the day, if you belong to a party, you have to do what your party tells you to do, and it's all going to revolve around party politics. So whether Governor Abbott is a good guy whether he's a bad guy, whether whatever the case may be, at the end of the day, his party's going to tell him what to do. And that's just the way it works. Okay. Well, I mean, I understand that, but there's administrative levers that could be used, as you said, to, to eject or deport people, actively deport people on based on state business for the federal federal. Yeah, but he could do it. He could use he could, could use state constitution but he didn't i would because i wouldn't be affiliated with a party i would take i would take the united states constitution i would take the state constitution i would i would look make sure nothing contradicted anything that way that the federal government couldn't come at me about it and then whatever the state constitution said i would use it as the law of the land of texas use it as full extent and that's exactly what I would do. That's the way it has to be done. It has so, to be done. So what, let's talk way. about blowback here, uh, you know, Philip. Once you start uh, deporting the cartel's margin, they can't collect on gotaways. They can't collect on um, bodies that didn't make it over the border. If they're turned back immediately, they can't collect on those 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 debts. I mean, maybe they they will just steal it from the people who are coming over being trafficked but there is the matter of the money that is being made because biden has made this like a a huge boom for the cartels to, in human trafficking and listen then- I, I think i think joe biden is a joke i think we're in obama's third term but i would like to say this it was the same way during trump and the same way during obama I'm sorry, but it was. I lived there. Hell, I worked under them two presidents. It, th- there's no difference except for except for now they can just walk up and turn themselves in. I remember tons of people coming across. I remember finding dead bodies out in the field. I remember, you know, having these huge groups of people just run from you. Uh, kill your calves and eat your calves, steal your chickens, steal anything that they could because they were starving to death. I, there's no difference. I know people would like to think that there is, but there's unless it's changed in the last five or six months since I've been down there, shit, there's no difference. It's the same way. And and that, that does kind of tick me off is it that we got these two parties that says, well, it's worse now than what it was. No, it wasn't. It's still bad. It's bad for the American people. And and, and they're using it to divide the American people more. I, I'm tired of the division with us. I'm, I'm tired of that. That's got to be changed. We've got to quit playing these party politics and pretending that it's just now got bad. Hell, it's been bad. It hasn't just now done it. You know, I respect your views, Philip, because you're there, you know, or you were there and you lived it. And I know that what you're saying is true because there are too many people who live there who it's still that way. They know that there has been some increase in traffic 
but it's to a point where there are multiple vectors of people that are involved. And one of them is uh, other nation states like China and other hostile states that are able to basically just get over the border. Okay. So we have PLA associated um, Hong Kong cartels that are laundering the money for the Sinaloa cartels. And, and essentially, fentanyl. let's not forget fentanyl and fentanyl, which does need to make some sort of mention in this. Cause you know, the Chinese are the suppliers, but they're also the money launderers in Vancouver and in other uh, cities across the nation. You know, they, they, they get the money and they launder it through either real estate or casinos, and then they buy up more land. And then they they trust the real estate market and then destabilize uh, the property markets and then the fixed assets for those areas. And then that creates turbulence in the, the economy down the line. So you're going to need good economic advisors and an economic plan to kind of censure or use the, the full power of the state department to, to cause a reckoning to, to get these people out of there. Um, do you have a specific plan to, to work with state department officials to extract, uh, extract people, nation states, uh, and then have, you know, terms of, write a return with the diverse elements, particularly these squatters in, in South Texas. They, they don't have rights like they think they do. No. And if we wanted to get rid of them, we could, we just aren't. Yes, to, to give you the short answer, yes, I do. Um, and and it's, it's very, it sounds very simple, you know, whenever I say we just have to deport them, we just have to do this, but it's actually complicated. So I do have the right people that, that are, that will be right for the job. And, and we are, we're in the process of writing a bunch of different policies for a bunch of different things, because look, we're early on in the election. I've got these ideas, but you know, it's still pretty new. So we don't have everything written. We don't have all the policies. We don't have everything. It's just, we're in the idea stage. Does that make sense to you? We know what has to be done. We're learning ourselves how to do it. We're reaching out to the right people. So yes, we're working on it. I can tell you that we really are working on it, but I do not have all the answers right now. And I, and I don't even want to pretend like I do because we get enough of that in politics as well. Well, I mean, counterterrorism is going to be something that comes back again and again, because that's all, that's the whole DHS game. Now they're using it for uh, to censor speech of Americans there, you know, and if it gets to the place where there's something unsavory that they do not want to be spoken of, then what they will do is they will use uh, their reach um, to, into these tech platforms who've made agreements with them to be essentially government service contractors. So, and so they just go do what they're told. We have right. to completely eliminate that because there is a huge counterterrorism fund, and and even the FBI has a counterterrorism fund. So if they brand a group or an individual as a domestic terrorist, they have this un 
this just huge fun that they can pull from and pull from and pull from and pull from. And, 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 you know, nobody does anything about it. Nobody says anything about it. And, um, at the end of the day, really nothing gets done and there's way too much money spent on something that could have been taken care of very simply. And, and we have to eliminate that. It has to be eliminated. Um, there's a lot of unnecessary spending, not just in that and a lot of things. There's a lot of unnecessary spending. Uh, not to go off topic, but if we could eliminate that unnecessary spending, the unnecessary spending within the military and, and, and uh, other agencies, I mean, there's so much, it's it's hard to talk about. There wouldn't be as many homeless people. There wouldn't be as many hungry people. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we can do with that. Um and I'm sorry, I can't give you all the answers on this one interview because I, I just don't have all the answers for you. But we well, are I mean, working. This is, this is just SCAG, H, the uh, the Homeland Security piece, which is going to be broadening and into national security, you know, because more and more you're going to see that DHS is an agency to censure and deal with the United States people versus deal with extra nationals. Okay. And what I, what I think is happening is that they're getting people here who are ungovernable by by police natural police conventions and by homeland security conventions we are meant to be the governable people yeah. the citizens okay and then homeland security is over immigration but then they are driven by a directive from the executive that that depresses the natural approach of, of law enforcement to to commence as an agency and why that's happened is that they merged immigration enforcement with homeland security so i think if they extracted that agency out and let it be a part of a, of say a more formal uh you know department of justice agency uh, for crimes and, and legal enforcement, um, then you would see a return to enforceable immigration law. Yeah. Because right now there is no law enforcement because it's underneath a domestic governance agency for, for counterterrorism. Okay? And if no terrorism is happening, they're not going to go after anybody. So terrorism became this giant linguistics hub. It's like, they can just magically call something terrorism. Okay? It's a blank. It's a blank check for them. Yeah, but they also use the language like, okay, if if I waved my magic wand, I'll just use a little magic. If I said boopity boopity boop, you are now a terrorist because I said so. I'm at DHS. If I did that, then you would be on some sort of stupid list, and then you would get. A label, and then you would, of course, you would get something, something to the to the effect of like you would end up on a list. They could take your natural rights. They could throw you in Guantanamo. Blah 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 blah. Those things are still around. Those policies are still they're there in the soup. You know, maybe the executive isn't climbing on them. They're not being acted upon, and of course, you don't hear about them anymore uh, because. You know, people who came out to fight those policies, people like Julian Assange and Glenn, Glenn Greenwald and, and, and Edward Snowden and, and Chelsea Manning and all those people, the people, John Kiriakou, 
you know, they all dumped what they knew about the, the insights of these agencies, the bad processes, all of those things. They dumped them out and said, listen, here, government, you go fix this now. This is corrupt. And they're like, no, you're the problem. Go to sleep. Well, well, let me let me let me say this. When the United States was originally structured, it was structured to be the people were the power, the state, then the federal government. The federal government's really their only job is to uphold the Constitution, make sure the states uphold the Constitution, protect us, protect our borders, right? Um, deal with foreign affairs and control the military. That is the only job of the federal government. So what I would like to see eventually happen, and, and under my administration, we will lay the foundations for that to happen, is that we give the states more rights to take care of themselves, which means these states can have their own agencies that will not be controlled by the federal agencies. And, this, and, and let, allow the states to work together and allow the people within the states make the decisions of what they want to go on in their state, their county, so on and so forth, depending on whoever and however they elect, and give the freedom back to the people. And that's ultimately what it's going to have to come to. Because... That's the only way we're going to actually get things done. We're going to cut unnecessary spending. We're going to lower taxes. We're going to fix the economy. That's what it's going to eventually have to come down to. And that's why I'm a firm believer in abolishing all unconstitutional laws and all things unconstitutional. Period. Okay. Okay. I think it's time to take some kind of a call. Let me see. We've got Jonathan. I'm going to, I'm going to pick on you. Oh, before you say that, that was a guy at Flyover Man. I don't know who that is. That's but him. Oh, that's him. Okay, I got. I got to ask him a question, man. He said something I really liked. I thought it was pretty cool. So he, you can go ahead and take him. I'm sorry. Are you froze? Hello. What happened? 